Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. All right, welcome into the show and thanks for joining us. John, I'm out here in New Hampshire, Patriots country. So it's all football all the time this week with Brady and the Bucks coming to Foxborough. It's been huge. Like the previews for this game is it's been happening for like two weeks. I got to feel like there's there's got to be something similar going on in Broncos country, right? Team is three and a lot of excitement. Ravens are coming to town like we've got ourselves a fun, interesting football game to cover. It's pretty sweet, right? Like what's going on in Broncos country with this game coming up? Yeah, I feel like everybody is feeling that, you know, everybody, a lot of national media members and like fans of other teams on Twitter, they're all discounting the Broncos because their opponents that begin the year are all in nine. <laughs> And this is the Broncos' chance. Like the Ravens, I think most people would agree they're expected to be a playoff contender in the AFC. And if you beat a playoff contender in the AFC and start the year four and zero, like if if you still don't get respect being you know four and zero and knocking off the Ravens, then I don't I don't know what the Broncos can do to get people to start giving them some credit. So I think like this is the game. Like we we've been joking like the last two weeks on the podcast, the Broncos automatically start three and zero because of their schedule. But, you know, they took care of business. They did what they were supposed to do. And now this is the test to find out, like, either the doubters or the believers, somebody's going to be proven right this week. Yeah, right. And, and a lot of that has been tongue in cheek with me, you know, predicting victories well beforehand, saying that they were three and zero last week. It, it has definitely it, it, this might be the softest start to a, a season in NFL history. John, I mean, I don't know if that's an exaggeration. Giants, Jags and Jets are that bad. But I want I wanted to look at this a little bit deeper. I don't want to just say it just blow off the fact that the Broncos are three and zero. I mean, yes, those three teams are combined. zero and nine, like you said. But I think the number that matters to me, at least, is the number fifty two. You've outscored those three awful opponents by 52 points. So that's double digits, every single one, 10 or more, an average of 17.3 points per game. So good teams mop up against the pretenders, right? And and I think that's, we're going to learn where the Broncos actually are. The Ravens are going to be a litmus test. We all know that. I don't think Broncos fans should be nitpicking about the schedule. I know I've been bringing up, we've been joking about it. People are on social media and people are writing about all the Broncos are fraud. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not yet. You can't call them a fraud yet. You know, you can't. I I just think you look at the margin of victory, 17.3 points. The fact that, yes, the Jets are horrible. Oh, my God. How bad are those Jets, John? I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. You did try to tell me. But the fact that you shut them out, like shutting out a team, an NFL team these days is really hard to do. The Broncos did it. So, no, 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 no. The Broncos are not frauds. They're legit. Now, they're going to have more difficult opponents coming up. But I think it's too soon to call them frauds or try to like drum up a meme on social media making fun of their three and zero start. That's going too far. Yeah, I, I love hearing you say that, Ryan. <laughs> Don't you? Anybody yes. that's been 
listening to the podcast last season and a couple weeks into this season, like you're never one to uh, gush over the Broncos if you don't feel that it's warranted. So I think hearing you say that, it just reaffirms me that like, yes, the teams are bad, but I think like, as you're saying, they have the best point difference in the NFL. They're tied with the Buffalo Bills and like they've looked good on the eye test They've looked good. The numbers look good. And, like, it'll be put to the test this week against their first real test. But it's not like the the bad teams they played were sticking with the Broncos. Like, in years past, in recent seasons, the Broncos would have lost some of these games. Or even if they won them, they would have been close games. Like, these games have not been close. The Broncos have been handling business. And I'm right there with you that we can't discredit them that much for their schedule because uh, they've looked good. Yeah, no, they've done their thing. And, you know, even though last week I, I tried to – you talk about me not being positive enough positive enough with the Broncos. I mean, I tried to convince you that 10.5 points was way too right. small a line with these Jets. I have to give you credit. <laughs> I have to give you credit. I should have listened to you because I underestimated how bad the Jets were. I should have listened to you. Just a garbage organization with coaches that have no clue, John. They don't know what they're doing with this poor rookie quarterback who's in, like – the worst position ever and you're in Denver against that defense oh man and the Broncos really just looking at this game I don't know there's not much to get to with this game it's just like the Broncos knew they could go in run the ball 40 times pass it around 25 times kick a few field goals and that would be enough right and I think it was it was that type of game it's just like you go in you beat the crap out of the Jets who are a nothing opponent and you hope to get out of it healthy and Oh, man, we didn't get out of it healthy. So I think that's kind of the story, right? That's the bummer is there's a couple guys we want to get to, but let's start with KJ Hamler, ACL, out for the season. And you just hope in a game against the Jets where the Broncos really, there was no way they were going to lose that game. This is just bad luck. Uh, and this is like, I think one of the big storylines coming out of the game is, is just like KJ Hamler out for the season. That kind of hurts. Yeah, it hurts big time because he is their speedy. He's by far their speediest weapon on offense. Yes. He's an awesome deep shot. And it like anytime you lose a starting caliber receiver, it hurts. But I think the fact that Jerry Judy's already on injured reserve and then Hamler on top of it is just kind of a gut punch. And it, it I really don't think there's – they're not going to be able to do a like-for-like like replacement for him. They're, they brought in David Moore, who was on the Raiders practice squad and I honestly I didn't even know he was on somebody's practice squad I remember when he was with the Seahawks last year I was paying attention to him because I played in a deep fantasy football league and I had him for a couple weeks and he ended the year with like 400 yards and I think like six receiving touchdowns as a Seahawks third third string receiver and as the third choice guy like those are very respectable numbers so he's done it in the NFL he can definitely do the job and I think he ran like a 4-4 40 yard dash so that's that's fast. Like he'll be a good speedy threat, but it's not as fast as Hamler. So I don't know if he's going to be able to quite take off the top. Like Hamler is able to, but he's competent. He can do the job. I think he'll be a good third choice for them to hold him over until Judy. Eventually Judy will be back. And then when Judy comes back, Moore can be the fourth string guy. And I think he's, he's perfectly capable of being a fourth string receiver. So I think they'll be able to get by, but it's obviously a bummer when you lose someone like Hamler. No, no doubt. And and I do want to talk about the last place team in the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, a little bit later. <laughs> I love that. But they go out and they, they get uh, they get Josh Gordon, which is a big headline grabber this week. So the Broncos, they could have been in on Josh Gordon. Good decision. Good decision. You don't need Josh Gordon. You don't need that thing. Like, good luck to you, Josh Gordon. You know, he was with the Patriots for some time. So I, you know, I was 
reading all the articles, watching all the games with Josh Gordon when he was with the Patriots. You just want players you could depend on, and you just can't really depend on that guy. You just can't. So good luck, Chiefs. Hope it works out for you. Not really. I'm actually yeah, okay with I'm, I'm okay with the Broncos not going after Josh Gordon. John, how do you feel about that? Even putting the off-field stuff aside, I just think looking at it on the field, like in 2012, 2013, like he was an awesome receiver. Like I loved him. He was so good. But that was a long time ago. Like we're going on almost a decade ago, and he's not quite the threat that he once was. And as far as like a lot of Broncos fans wanted him even before Hamler went down when he got reinstated, I think in part because he's a big name. And then when Hamler went down, it it just kind of the call for Gordon got a little bit louder, but I didn't really see it because Gordon, he's kind of a big guy and like in size and playing style to me, he's similar to Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. And you already have Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. What you need is like your speedy deep shot guy. And I think more is more of a fit for that. So I don't think like Gordon with his off field problems, with him he's not the receiver that he once was he's getting older i think he's like 30 years old now and because of like his playing style like he's he's like a big physical guy like your sutton and patrick which you already have on the roster so i think bringing in someone like a david moore who's more along the lines of a hamler just as like a fit i think it just made sense to not mess with gordon and like i wish him well as a person and even as a player i wish him well but um yeah, I, I hope he doesn't make the Chiefs offense more deadly than it is. <laughs> Coming up next, I'm going to get John to talk about some injuries along the offensive line that are a little concerning and just injuries overall. Just the IR names are kind of piling up and we don't want to repeat a last year, obviously. And then later on, I've got some takes on the Ravens that I think John and, and any Broncos fan listening uh, are going to love. So we'll do all that coming up later in the show. Stick with us. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. Welcome to week number four of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays. After a forgettable week three, Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback of the New England Patriots, takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While normally I would avoid a rookie quarterback against this pass rush, the pass rush just hasn't been there yet for the Bucks. Only Washington has given up more points to quarterbacks, and that's mainly due to allowing a pair of rushing touchdowns. No team has given up more yardage than Tampa. There's a good chance that Tom Brady's offense will force the Patriots to throw more than they'd like. Running back Jonathan Taylor at the Miami Dolphins. Traditionally, I avoid players who are considered to be locks for lineups each week, but Taylor's been off to a sluggish start. In the event you're one of those antsy gamers who's looking to possibly bench him, a trip to the Miami Dolphins defense should do wonders. This unit has given up over 120 rushing yards, over 52 receiving yards, and a touchdown every 20.4 touches. This is a top 10 matchup across the board for fantasy football purposes. Lock in Taylor and expect a strong game despite the offensive line issues at the moment. Wide receiver Christian Kirk, Arizona Cardinals at Los Angeles Rams. Playing more than 60% of his snaps from the slot, Kirk is averaging a career-high in fantasy points per game and a career-high in receiving average. DeAndre Hopkins still may not be 100% by kickoff after suffering a rib injury in Week 2, and he and A.J. Green will have to contend with two of the strongest cornerbacks in the NFL. Expect the strong defense by the Rams on the outside to divert Kyler Murray to throwing inside to Christian Kirk. Rookie tight end Pat Fryer moves to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. He is clearly the go-to tight end with Eric Ebron falling way behind on the target count. And Fryermuth has been more productive. This is a matchup that has game script for pass-heavy offense written all over it. 
Only one team has given up more receptions to tight ends than the Packers. This is the ninth best matchup to face for yardage, and this is the fourth best team to face for scoring efficiency. Target hog wide receiver Deontay Johnson is expected to return. There's no guarantee that he'll be 100%. While we may be one month into the season already, it's not too late. Go over to thehuddle.com to check out our award-winning fantasy football news, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, you just you look at the IR list and the names are on there. Hamler's on his way to the IR. Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb, Josie Jewell, Ronald Darby. I mean, I know most of those guys will probably be back in at full strength at some point, but you're adding Hamler to the list. And then you've got now we've got some issues along the offensive line. Now, it doesn't sound like these are, you know, scary longer, longer term injuries, but the two starting guards, right? Graham Glasgow and Dalton uh, Reisner both left Sunday's game against the Jets. So what do you think the team does to kind of plug those gaps if those guys are unable to go this week against the Ravens? Yeah, we're recording on Tuesday on Monday when Fangio had his media availability. He was asked if those were season ending injuries and he said, no, they're not. And that leaves it open like it it could still be a while but today on Tuesday they did not put either of them on injured reserve and players if they go on IR they're eligible to come back for three weeks so you would think the fact that neither of them went on IR in theory you would think the Broncos are hoping they might be able to come back in two to three weeks or even shorter than that and of course like in the coming days, they might go on IR, but at, at this very moment, it seems like they're not going to be out like long, long term, but we'll find out more in the coming days. But and immediately, it looks like both of them might be in danger of not playing this week. And if that happens, the two guys they have is uh, minors. They just drafted him in the third round. He's the belly guy that yeah, let's everybody go. loved. Let's get him. Everybody loved him at rookie minicamp. And then uh, Moody is the other one. And Moody, he fell in the draft last year because he had a lot of injuries in college. But he's a super promising guard. And last year, he filled in a game. This year, he's already filled in a game for Glasgow because Glasgow had a irregular heartbeat a couple weeks ago. So Moody, he's already gotten some playing time. And the reviews from him from in-house for the Broncos have been fantastic. So I think, like, with Moody, I think you're basically set. It's it's a drop-off, but I don't think it's a huge drop-off. And Miners, I think he has a very bright future, but last week filling in for Reisner, that was the first time he's ever played in the NFL. So I think it's fair to expect some growing pains from him, maybe even some growing pains from Moody as well. But I think besides the fact that they're young and inexperienced, the Broncos are in a really good spot for losing two starters. The two guys that they have, backups behind them I think are very promising like when we talked about the 53-man roster at the beginning of September the at the end of August like the two positions I highlighted that I liked the depth was cornerback and guard because I I truly thought going into the season they had four starting caliber guards and now it's going to be put to the test potentially because their two backups might be caught on to start I I think they are capable of doing the job but we'll see how it goes yeah it'll be interesting to see how Minerts does so we'll have to be paying attention 
it to the interior line and see if the Ravens have anything up their sleeves. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. And like I said, we got some takes on the Ravens specifically here coming up. But real quick, John, I want to get your thoughts on just the AFC West overall. Now, this fun storyline we had last week with the Broncos and Raiders being the only undefeated teams in the AFC. Well, we got we had that for another week, right? We'll see how long this can go. Let's see how long we can we can get this thing. How about those Raiders, right? Is, is there a crazier team, a better product in the NFL than the freaking Raiders right now? Like they're just putting on there's can you imagine being a fan of that team? You know, we've been talking about having maybe, you know, three kind of boring ho-hum kind of matchups for the Broncos where we're predictable. We knew they're going to win. And the Raiders have just been crazy they're three and oh nobody expected it but you look at the odds on typico right the afc west who's going to win that division and the raiders are the team in the basement like plus 550 way in the basement the chiefs who are one and two and are tied with the freaking lions john for the most points allowed in the nfl right now the (laughs) kansas city chiefs they've put up like 95 points in three games or something they're still an overwhelming favorite at minus 105 and then you have the broncos with the second best odds at plus 300 and the chargers at plus 380 but what do you think about that broncos are are still pretty far behind the chiefs even though they have a two-game lead on them and you get the raiders way in the basement when they're like one of the cool stories of the league right now, 3-0, and they beat the Ravens, they beat the Steelers, they won another wild overtime game against Miami. So what do you think about those odds on Tipico? Yeah, I think it just shows that uh, people are not buying into the Raiders. I think we've kind of seen this all. from the Raiders. Yeah, they, the last few years, they've started the first half of seasons pretty well, and it's been the second half of seasons that they've really tanked. Like even last year, at the midway point or even 10 games in the season, they had a real nice record, and they ended up right around 500. Odds makers are thinking, we've seen this from them before. They're just not buying into them. But I don't know. We're, we'll find out because Derek Carr, he has started the year so well. His numbers have been impressive. So it will be interesting to see what happens with the Raiders. And with the Chiefs, I think it's just uh, they're still the Chiefs, and they still have Patrick Mahomes. And I think odd makers probably think a lot of fans are going to back them to bounce back from this poor start. And it's only three games into the season. Like, it really is a small sample size. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine, and I think they're going to be right there at the end contending for the division. So I'm not too surprised about it. And just looking at the standings, though, I love – I think it's hilarious that the Chiefs right now are in the bottom of the division. Broncos fans are giving them such a hard time about it on Twitter and Chiefs fans are so sensitive about it. It just, it brings joy to my heart. E- even though it's a small sample size, like I said, I think it will even out over the year, but for right now, I'm enjoying it. Oh, troll Chiefs fans while you can. Just do it, do it while you can, John. And and yeah, I mean, the Chiefs with their defense and they got some issues and they got yeah, the Bills. Yeah, they're beatable. Yeah, they uh, are. Obviously. And they got the Bills in a couple weeks. I think the Bills might show them who the, you know, the top team and the, the favor of the AFC is right now. Absolutely. I think the Bills absolutely. are the team. They're, Man, their offense, defense, they got it all going, the Bills do. so. Yep. But, man, it is fun being 3-0. and And whether you're the Broncos or the Raiders, if you can get the 4-0, and you almost have the playoffs on lock. Like, it has yep. to be a – You're in a great spot. Yeah, it has to be an epic collapse to not make the playoffs. So that's where the Broncos are at going into this game against the Ravens. John and I will break down the matchup and look at the spread and make a pick coming up next. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Betsleven Podcast and SportsbookWire.com here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the marquee Sunday night football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots. The Buccaneers are six and a half point road favorites at minus 122 odds in the battle of Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. 
Buccaneers are my pick to win by seven or more. This line seems soft. I don't care about Brady Belichick. This is a Super Bowl caliber Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Hasn't looked apart so far. Better days are ahead, and those are going to come against rookie Matt Jones and the Patriots. Jeff. I'm with you. I got the Buccaneers. I'll lay more than a touchdown or whatever it gets to. Brady has got all the motivation and all the help around him that Belichick doesn't. And Mac Jones is graded out or, excuse me, is discussed as if he were better than the rookie quarterbacks, whereas I think he's as bad as the rookie quarterbacks. And we should see a get-right game for the Tampa Bay defense that struggled through the first three weeks. I'll lay whatever with the Bucs. Let's just call it a touchdown. That was your typical sports book fantasy minute win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at typico sportsbook for a limited time new typico sportsbook users in colorado and new jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast that's usatodaybet.com slash podcast see typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey 1-800-522-4700 in colorado All right, John, Denver is favored at home over the Ravens. Now the line, I think, was at one and a half. We were just talking. It's now down on the typical sportsbook app to a half point. So the Broncos are a half point favorite over the Ravens, and the line is moving in Baltimore's favor. And I like the move for Denver. I like the line move because I think the Ravens are maybe the most overrated team in football. And I feel like Every year, people are picking the Ravens to win the AFC North and make the playoffs and contend for the Super Bowl. And, you know, right now, as we speak, they're favored on Tipico over the Browns to win the AFC North. It's like, what? The Browns? Like, I think the Browns are the best team in that division. I think they've kind of shown it. But and I don't I just don't get it. Even Lamar Jackson's MVP year, the Ravens got bounced at home in the divisional round, if you remember mid-season last year they lost four or five in the middle of the season then they beat up on a really soft schedule down the stretch and I think Baltimore threw a parade when they won a playoff game over the Titans uh, and they didn't win anymore so I don't subscribe to this Ravens thing who needed by the way who needed a miracle by Justin Tucker last week to beat the Lions right my survivor pool almost got screwed by the Baltimore Ravens almost losing in Detroit so I, I think the Broncos are closer to being a contender than the Ravens are. I think the Ravens are pretenders. I don't, I don't think the Broncos are getting enough respect. I, I think in the public side, they think the Ravens are a better team. And I just don't – I don't see anything so far to make me think that. Is it the schedule the Broncos have had? They can't control that. So for me, I'm on the Broncos' side of this at home. I don't love the Ravens. And I think as long as you can get Lamar Jackson in situations where he has to throw and be accurate, you got a good chance. So – Give me the Broncos money line. That's where I'm at right now. Where are you at? Yeah, I I wouldn't call the Ravens pretenders just yet, but I definitely think they're beatable. Like the Lions just proved that the Ravens are a beatable team. And from a Broncos perspective, when the Ravens beat the Lions on that record-breaking field goal, I was really happy about it. And that may sound weird because they're an AFC team in theory going to be potentially competing for a wild-card spot with the Broncos. But I was happy because I did not want the Ravens to be one and two, super mad to lose a winnable game and then go into Denver and be really desperate to win a game just to get to 500. Like, of course, now even coming off a win, they're still obviously they still want to beat the Broncos. But I just think them coming off a high, I truly do think it makes a difference how desperate a team is. I think this is I think it's a better scenario for the Broncos that the Ravens are coming off a high of that 
game-winning field goal opposed to being a, a team that's really mad about how last week went. So I was glad that they won, but like you're kind of saying, they're not they're not some powerhouse team. Like but if you can slow down their run game, which admittedly it's easier said than done because they they've lost like their top three running backs and they're still a very good running team in large part because of Lamar Jackson. But they just they run the ball and they have a decent defense. They shut down the run pretty well, and that with the Broncos potentially starting two backup guards this week like if they can shut down the Broncos run game and if Bridgewater like he's been superb so far I've been so pleased with Bridgewater but this will probably be the biggest test he's faced this season and if he has a little bit more of an off game like not even a bad game but if he throws like one pick or something opposed to having no turnovers the first few weeks like the Broncos offense they might struggle a little bit and if the Ravens are able to score some points like I think I think the Ravens are real tests. I think they're a real team, but I do think the Broncos can hang with them. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like such a homer if I pick the Broncos to to win the game. Like honestly, I wrote in Sports Weekly uh, the game preview for this. I write the game previews for the Broncos home games, and I picked the Ravens to win. But I'm being completely honest. I picked the Ravens in part just because it makes me look like such a homer. <laughs> when I do my prediction at the bottom, it says John Heath Broncos wire. Yeah. And they're like, okay, Broncos wire, pick the Broncos to win. Of course, like I officially picked the Ravens to win, but I really think the Broncos have a legitimate shot. Yeah. I, I'm, I think the Broncos definitely have a shot to win. I'm picking them to win and I'm looking at the total 44 and a half. And I think this total is on the lower side because as you said, the Ravens are a running team. And I think there's a perception out there that the Broncos are a run-first football team. Maybe that'll play out. Maybe that will be what they are. But I think that's largely because they've been beating up on crappy opponents and leading in these second halves. And Denver's been running the ball a lot. And last week, all they had to do was run the ball, John, right? I think they ran it 37 times. Denver can and will throw it. And they've shown that. I think they've proven with Teddy Bridgewater that they can throw it around a little bit. And I think I don't necessarily think the Broncos just have to run the football. So I actually think... They could score some points, and that's their best chance to make Baltimore have to chase you and, and score. Baltimore would love to play this game in the teens and win a game 20 to 17. That's just Baltimore. I mean, they mm-hmm. won against the Lions 19 to 17. They, they mm-hmm. love that kind of game where they can just do their run first offense, their misdirection stuff. I mean, they're not looking for a shootout. I think the Broncos' best chance is to win it in a shootout. I think they're going to let Bridgewater throw. I'm not convinced they're a running football team yet. I I think it's really hard to tell in these first three weeks. So I think 44 and a half, I'm leaning over. I don't know if that's the right way, but I think the over makes plenty of sense. And just because based on what I think the Broncos might do to attack them and open it up a little bit and let Bridgewater throw, I'm leaning over with the total. Yeah, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. You're almost talking me into it, but I... I would definitely lean the under because I still think both, even though the Ravens are kind of beat up, I still think they have a good defense. And I think the Broncos have a good defense. And I think it'll be a very defensive minded game. And even if like you're saying the Broncos, they can throw, even if they do throw on the Ravens a little bit when they've been getting in the red zone and on their opponent's side of the field, the Broncos, like 
they've had to settle for field goals too many times and they've had too many drives stall. Like I I've been pleased with Bridgewater's efficiency. Like he's 77% completion percentage, but like on third down, they haven't been quite good enough finishing drives with touchdowns. I don't think they've been quite good enough. They've settled for too many field goals. Brandon McManus, he's nine of nine on field goals, which is awesome that he's perfect so far. But to me, that's a lot of drives that could have ended in touchdowns. So I'm not, I'm not sold that the Broncos are going to put up a lot of points and I'm not sold that the Ravens will either. So I, I could definitely see it being like a 20 to 17 kind of a game. Yeah, no. I, and I think that's, def- I mean, I don't feel confident on the total at all. I definitely agree with you. It's, it, it definitely could be a defensive game. I'm just hoping that I'm, I'm just hoping they let Bridgewater throw and they kind of, I don't, I'm not convinced the Broncos are a running team yet. You know, I just, I'm just not. So we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be a really fun game. Looking forward to coming back next week and breaking it all down with you, John. Unless I have a baby, because <laughs> my wife is a, my wife and I are expecting a baby any day now. Could be this week, could be next week. Due date is actually October 9th. So I hope to be back next week, John. I just think it, it, there's a good chance that on the day we're supposed to record, there could be a baby. So if that happens, we will uh, we will record at our earliest convenience as soon as possible. Does that sound good to you? <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. We'll be happy. Either way, if we get a little Ryan and aren't able to record, that's a great reason to not be able to record. And if the baby wants to wait a little bit later and we're able to record, that's good, too. So it's no worries, Ryan. Okay, cool. I I think Broncos fans, I don't know if they always like me, but I think in this, this show... My commentary in this show, I think they're going to be they're going to be pleased, right? They're going to be pleased with. Yeah, everybody should be happy with you. (laughs) All right. I love it. So we will be back as soon as possible. Uh, But hey, enjoy football this weekend. Broncos Ravens doesn't get much better than that. I think that's even a better game than my Bucks Patriots. If I'm if I'm even being if I'm just being honest and that's hard for me to admit. So enjoy the football. John and I will be back next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.